Building Dealer, KRVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A market that saw some positives except for the November soybeans. Um, they dropped a quarter on the day to finish at 13.95 and three quarters. Otherwise, some really nice green on the screen from a grain perspective. Over on the livestock side, though, it's the polar opposite. A lot of negative trade happening within them today. We're going to take a look at what's been affecting it. We're post WASD day one. We had a CPI report that came out today as well. Those of all had some influential factors along with no surprise the weather well joining us today is sue martin sue is with ag and investment out of clarion iowa so we are post wasd uh day number one really a full trading a bounce back in the grains kind of digested those numbers and are we ready to move on to look at something else well i think what we've got is first off the um uh lower than expected soybean crop yesterday I think took everybody by surprise. And we were thinking if there was going to be a surprise in this report, it would probably be in the soybean complex, and that's where it was. The um, uh, yield coming under 50 bushels to the acre, I think, was kind of a psychological barrier that we broke, and I think that was a wake-up call. It's um, one thing that's kind of interesting. I mean, I keep hearing yields, and, boy, I hear a lot of yields in the 60, 62, 65 range. Now, in some areas, there's yields around 80 bushel to 70 bushel. That's perfect. But um, I, I think as a whole, the bean crop is going to be the one that surprises us. It's good, but overall, taking all states, will it be as good as what we originally thought it would be. Keep in mind, Pro Farmer thought the bean crop was better and the corn crop not so good when they went through Nebraska. And from what I'm picking up, it sounds like the corn crop's better in Nebraska as opposed to what the bean crop is, and that's under irrigation. Now, I also think that that uh, bean numbers that came out yesterday, taking the carryout to 200 million bushels and lowering the carryout on corn and, and on wheat, which was expected. We thought we'd go under 600 uh, million bushels, and this is the sixth year consecutively that we've been under 600 million bushels for wheat in the U.S., and also uh, the third consecutive year of decline in the um, uh, ending stocks globally. But... All three markets, not only did WASD, NAS, when they lowered the yield, not only did they, when they shook out the numbers and broke it down, they also took um, and dropped usage considerably as a big percentage of what the uh, reduction in production was. And so I think that then came into play, kept the carry out the same at 200 million bushels on beans, WASDE did not raise farm gate price. Instead, they lowered it down to $14 a bushel. And um, and I think it had to hold me to this. It's not from me, but I think around fourteen thirty a bushel. So they reduced the farm gate price. Conversely, they raised the corn farm gate price by $0.05 cents a bushel and uh, took it up, I think it was to six eighty. Um, so, you know, that was impressive. Um, the carryout fell, but they also showed reduction in exports. 
they kept, uh, and then they had a reduction in ethanol usage, but they kept feed usage intact. And feed usage is the one area that many have tried to talk about and did not expect to hold in there, which that's an area that might find a little resistance as we go through into December. In wheat, um, the one thing I will say, they, of course, again, they lowered exports and parts of the usage to shake it down to where the carryouts weren't as sharply lower as what one would have expected. But the real surprise came in the bean complex. Now, all of that is probably being mitigated by an increase in expectation for a South American soy crop and then, of course, lower U.S. demand. And the other thing that we're fighting here for the U.S. demand is the water levels on the Mississippi River. They continue to fall. And so they have to continue to keep dredging uh, to be able, like at Greenville and um uh, Lake Providence and what have you to get barges through. Barge freight, sky high. And so it's the eastern side of the Corn Belt that is suffering the most from that. However, I will also say that when you look at ethanol plants, many of them have stepped down on their, on their, uh, basis levels, but still, like in the western Corn Belt, they're still pretty good. But it's the feedlot areas that are caught behind the eight ball, not able to get a hold of corn, not producing corn like they need to. And then that comes out of Iowa, Nebraska, and with Nebraska, when I'm hearing better yields in Nebraska, more than not, that tells me that we're probably looking at uh, a pull of corn coming out of Nebraska to the feedlots in Kansas. Which, uh, good news that we know we've got some opportunities to sell, but the numbers and and the frustration I think that some guys had, especially when it came to dry land, they just know it's not going to be there like they had hoped. No, no, the dry land is not. And I think all along it was thought that it probably wouldn't be the great cops. And we've heard about the dry land early on. But it's the irrigated crops that they thought, okay, maybe those would be better. And, um, and of course, when the pro farmer tour went through and pegged the corn crop at 168.1, that was probably the lowball number that we would have ever dialed into this corn market. But I think when we go from a lower yield from August to September and lower again from September to October, more times than not, you'll see another reduction in November. And I think the trade's thinking that's going to be the case. Back. Stick around, folks. A lot more is coming up just around the corner as we continue with the Thursday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. With 85 years of serving Nebraska farmers, Fontenelle Hybrids is still committed to helping you meet the challenges in every field. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a 9-bushel per acre yield advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading-volume corn products. That's a 75% win rate. No wonder Fontenelle is called the best-kept secret in the Cornhusker State. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer to see what all the fuss is about. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other specialist. KRVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sue Martin continues to join us. She is with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. We are going to get to a listener question about the rail lines in just a moment, but wanted to talk about the CPI report that came out this morning, this post-inflation report. Is there some nervousness or should there be amongst agriculture? 
Well, I think more than anything, of course, when they came out with the data this morning and showed that inflation had increased over August during September by four-tenths of a percent more, um, that, you know, putting it nicely over, you know, 8.2 percent, that, I think, showed nothing is slowing down. So, but the markets cratered as soon as the news came out. Why? Probably because they thought, oh, my God, you know, the Fed's going to continue to raise rates. Folks, they were going to raise rates anyway. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. And it's thought they would raise rates of three-quarters of a percent in November. And it was thought maybe by some they would stop and, and soften it a little bit in December by a half a percent. I think they'll stay the course of three-quarters of a percent straight through somewhere along the line. They might shock us with a 1%. But the bottom line is, when you see the rate of inflation doing what it's doing, is that truly bearish to commodities? No, that shows demand. You have um, unemployment at a 50-year low. That means people are working. You increase jobs, 263,000, maybe you know, some thought, okay, in the last record or report, it would be 275. Regardless, you're at adding jobs and you have very low unemployment. That means there's money out there. They're going to continue to spend. And when it comes to food, they're going to eat. But it's the rest of the world that everybody's worried about, that they're going to slow up because of the cost and interest rates going up and the dollar going up. Well, my take on that is a bit different. My take on that, Susan, is when you go back into the mid-80s, we had a dollar that was over 165. And, in fact, it peaked in, uh, I believe, 1985 and started down. You also had interest rates that had gone as high as 22% and had been starting to turn and come down. But what you had back then that you do not have now is you had countries with reserves built and grain on hand and food supplies on hand in their reserves so they weren't hand to mouth and therefore they could wait out a slip in the dollar um, potential or the break in the uh, interest rates what have you so they were able to massage the demand so to speak and have it ebb and flow that is not the case today today there are no global reserves other than maybe in china maybe a little bit in egypt but um, there aren't. They did away with that in the 90s because they became complacent knowing they could always get crops from the U.S. Every other year, we were raising record crops. That is the case now when they went through uh, COVID. All of a sudden, the pandemic drew their attention to the fact, oops, we can't get food. We can't get energy. Then you add the war in between Russia and Ukraine. Russia's world's number one exporter of wheat, Ukraine number two, their number, Ukraine's number four exporter of corn in the world. And then you have Mother Nature picking around at the crops the rest of the rest of the world. It's not a good thing. And supplies are tightening. In this report yesterday, we had uh, rice stocks tightening. We had corn stocks tightening, wheat stocks tightening, coarse grain stocks tightening, and then, you know, and then coarse soy. But that all implies a very bullish scenario. So there's an underpinning in these markets. And when they say that the rest of the world's not going to buy, they're going to back up or slow their buying for food, I don't believe it in a minute. It, because their people are going to have to eat 
and they have to feed them, and they, we don't have enough ships to have all countries coming at us at the same time for food. So, you know, I just, I see a market here. Yeah, you can get some breaks and some, you, know, you can even have a down year. But I think we're in a major long-term trend, and I don't see uh, inflation slowing just yet. Let's get to our listener question here before we wrap up. They're wondering and asking you, Sue, is there some nervousness over the talks now of maybe some morale strikes happening with more unions voting no on this agreement? Well, it's a concern. Um, That is the one thing that is concerning because between the low waters on the Mississippi with high barge freight and the inability to get grain moved timely, into the Gulf to load on ships. Then you have a rail strike and that went down to the Gulf. But if they go through with that strike and they know this stuff, they're of course going to try to work it to the best of their ability to get what they want. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051. And, uh, don't blow away. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. Please be safe, folks, if you are out there harvesting right now in this wind. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids at all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.